0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty, uh, joined here by my brother Brian. We're going to be talking about increasing organic matter in the soil. Man, there's so many good things about organic matter. We're going to talk about how you can influence that in your soil and by doing so, slightly increase your cation exchange capacity. We get questions quite often about, all right, my cation exchange capacity is this, how can I change it? Other than hauling in different dirt into your field, increasing the organic matter is the one thing that you do have control of. So we'll talk about some of the decisions you can make on your farm that would improve that. We'll also tackle any agronomic questions you may have. You can give us a call throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia.com. Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. So increasing organic matter in the soil, Brian, that's something we've been working on on our farm for quite a while.
1: Yeah, uh, we really want to have more organic matter there. So let's put it this way. You're, you're, when you walk on that field, it feels more, I don't know how to describe it, cushiony. It, it, it moves a little bit. That's absolutely what we want. Then we have less chance for compaction. We actually have better moisture and nutrient holding capacity. I, 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 I mean, it's it's a really good thing, not just for today and your and your crop this year, but for the long term. We talk to farmers so often that say, "I want to leave my ground in better condition for the next generation." Well, if you're serious about that, then one of the things you probably want to do is increase organic matter. Now, there's a limit to it, and I would say the limit's probably seven percent. But you know. For a lot of our ground that we farm it's three percent and we're working on it but i want it to be five percent that's kind of my goal i'd like all our ground to be five percent six percent would be okay but I, I i don't really want to get above seven occasionally we will see some soil tests where it's above seven it might be uh reclaimed ground old lake bed or who knows uh what what happened there but the point is yeah i i mean we we talk about Yes, we want to increase organic matter, but above 7%, no, at that point, we probably don't want to increase it anymore.
0: Well, the trend across our country and many agricultural areas in the world is that organic matter levels are going down, and It's definitely due to farming practices and and what we're doing out in the field. So today we're going to focus on some of the things that can help bring that organic matter level back up. We've got a lot more farmers we talk to that say, my organic matter levels are too low, I need to get them up, than farmers that we say, well, my levels are so high, I need to bring them down. I, I don't know how many calls like that we take, Brian, but it can't be very many. No,
1: nope, not many. So how are you going to increase organic matter? Number one thing we talk about all the time is reduced tillage. You don't necessarily have to go no-till, but you need to reduce tillage if you find your organic matter levels shrinking. Lower your tillage, raise your organic matter. It's that simple. The next thing is you want to plant crops with lots of roots. People talk about above-ground residue, and they think that's where organic matter comes from. That is not true. Most organic matter comes from the decay of roots. So you want lots of roots, and then you want to do everything you can to leave those intact in the soil to naturally break down, and your organic matter levels will go up. So just as an example, corn has five times the root mass of soybeans. So not that you can't increase your organic matter levels with soybeans, but just that it's going to be easier to do it with corn, and you could even do some tillage and have corn and still raise your organic matter levels. So corn, on average, five times the root mass of soybeans. The other things, use manure, use compost, use some biologicals, use cover crops. I mean, there are many steps you could take. So let's just put it this way. If you've got 20 more years you're going to farm, there's no reason why you can't increase your organic matter levels one to two points if you really want to do it.
0: Yeah, it's been amazing some of the areas uh, like our state of South Dakota where tillage has been reduced greatly over this last generation, the differences we're seeing in organic matter levels out in fields is, is really impressive. And it it just seems to give so much more forgiveness, like uh, whether it's just driving through the field and having a little less compaction or moisture holding capabilities into the season. I don't even know, Brian, what, what, what would you say the biggest thing that we're gaining on? I think the moisture holding is a huge one, but you're probably in line with nutrients.
1: Well, first of all, for every 1% of organic matter increase, you can hold roughly 4% more water. Now, that's not an exact number, but that'll get you close. So the point is, yes, I agree with you, and water holding capacity, that's a big deal. In terms of nutrients, it's kind of the same thing. Um, You know, I don't know what the biggest thing is. I I mean, I kind of come back to just the overall compaction. I think we oftentimes undervalue how much compaction really hurts yield. I can get out on that ground a little sooner. I don't have the compaction worries that I would have normally if I have more organic matter, but there are a lot of good things. You could also say, you know, all these people that want more healthy soil. Well, organic matter leads to that. You're going to have a lot more soil microbes. You've got a great home for them. You'll probably stabilize a lot of the things in your soil in terms of nutrients, in terms of pH. So getting organic matter levels, higher, or at least in that, let's call it 5% range. That's got so many good benefits, and we don't have time to list them all today.
0: Yeah, there are just a ton, and that's one of the big things and, and one of the reasons why we want to focus on increasing organic matter. The other thing, Brian, there's so many guys who didn't get field prep work done, and Also, uh, a lot of wet acres out there that we had some issues in the fall, and I think about what's going to have to be done to some of those fields. There's certainly going to have to be some tillage. There's no question about it. And and also, uh, a lot of those acres did not get a cover crop on, nor manure spread. So, I mean, almost everything that you said here is like, wow, we're going to have to take a small step backwards to start moving forward.
1: If you have ruts out there, then yes, I agree. You don't have a whole lot of choice. You're going to have to do something. So, that, you know, we don't, unfortunately, live in a perfect world. So sometimes you have to make choices on the farm that you don't really like. And you go, well, either I'm getting the crop out and mudding it out, or I'm not getting it out this year because the snow is coming. You know, I get that. We've been in the same boat. So, yes, sometimes you do have to go fix it up with tillage, even if you don't want
0: We're going to talk about organic matter and how you can increase it in your soils on today's program. We'll also take your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back.
2: White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot. If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you
0: know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit headsupst.com.
2: Worried about glyphosate resistant weeds and grasses in your corn?
0: back you're listening to ag PhD radio we're broadcasting here from the morton studio today and taking your calls and questions at 844-442-4743 we're talking about increasing organic matter levels in the soil and we've got chris Larson with case IH with us right now chris how are you doing today
4: i'm great darren how are you
0: good so how'd you survive uh, the crazy weather of the last week on your farm
4: well we're we're hanging in there it's uh We haven't floated away yet and haven't had to get the arc but uh and it seems to be subsiding and now we look for some warm attempts to to come in and And uh, hopefully by the end of the week, up in the 60s here in northeast Iowa.
0: Yeah, yeah, in the northern part of the U.S. it's starting to almost feel like spring is possible. And (laughs) there were about seemingly six months there that we didn't think it would ever come. So that's good. (laughs) But here's the problem, Chris. we got a lot of stuff to do out in these fields, a lot of field prep work. And, you know, in light of our topic today, increasing organic matter in the soil for guys who don't want to do a huge amount of tillage out there. What are some of the good options? Is vertical tillage where guys are going?
4: Yeah, I hear a lot about that. It's it higher speed. You know, lots lots to do. I'm um, like like just mentioned a lot of water in the fields. I've I've noticed a lot more rutting in, in areas that I hadn't seen it before, uh, even already through, through the the frozen ground. So some leveling and and some other things are going to have to happen like that. And, and vertical tillage, even. Uh, Good old-fashioned disc arrow is not bad for that sort of thing. A little slower, but it's certainly uh, capable of leveling and, and, you know, prepping that field this year, even though we didn't get a lot done probably last fall.
0: No, no, that's for sure. We really didn't. But we still have got all that residue out there that we've got to deal with somehow as we're trying to put this year's crop in the ground. Uh, what kind of questions have you been getting? I'm sure you're getting lots of questions from all over the country right now. What What do you find farmers most interested in?
4: Well, it depends where you're at. Of course, a lot of the moisture and what I was just talking about there, you know, what do I do? How do I, how do I get things done quickly? You know, higher speed vertical tillage tools like the VT, 335 VT is a great option to be able to, to manage residue, to level, um, you know, and create that seed bed this, this spring. Um, you know, getting questions on, you know, where's the, the fuel cultivator fit into this? Um, can can I use it what what can I use it for can I go into corn stalks with it you know those types of questions we've gotten and um, hey speak about uh, speak about that Chris
0: the field cultivator a little bit more we hear a lot of farmers talking about lightly incorporating herbicides is that about as good as it gets for an incorporation tool
4: I I believe it is it's a tool that is able to explode soil upward and outward, um, and, and, it, and it can and affect the entire profile of soil all the way across. You know, you look at the tiger maple, it touches every bit of, a, of soil across it and, and can, can probably get the biggest bang out of, the, out of your buck for, for your herbicide incorporation, I think, even compared to, to disks or, or vertical tillage tools.
0: Okay, so let's just say you've got a field cultivator that maybe you've had for a little while, and I'm not pointing any fingers here—not especially not at the other guy uh, that I do this show with. But say you've got one's been around for a little bit. What are what are the things that you really need to look at? Is it the? I mean, are you replacing sweeps a lot, or or what kind of things could lead to better performance?
4: Well, things that I look at, even on ours, is you know, as they as they age, you know, springs and and things start to. Uh, to uh, to age and, and, and weaken in some cases. In our field, we we have those immo- immovable objects occasionally called rocks and <laughs> yes. they're causing damage. I think that the biggest thing for me is I'm, I'm always looking at the profile of the sweep. And if I if I set that tool close to the ground, you know, making sure that it's all level first off. But but no one is the sweep itself. The, the bottom of is it parallel to the ground um, you know that's that's where it's got to all start if you're going to create a seedbed that's flat on the surface and at the subsurface so you know that's a tip there if something's bent uh, you know shank uh, uh, sweep is damaged you know m- most probably just look at the sweep and say oh it needs to be replaced or, or or whatever just from its its wear
0: characteristics but I
4: think looking closer at those types of things will will really uh, put you a step ahead this spring um, for preparing a seedbed
0: Now, when you're doing that, Chris, uh, I talk to farmers all the time that have different strategies for that field cultivator, and I'll hear some guys say, okay, I'm going to nose it down just a little bit because I don't want to bring up any new soil with those back sweeps, but you're kind of running a risk of having an uneven tillage floor at that point, aren't you?
4: Yeah, that's exactly what you're going to be doing there, and uneven in general on the surface. When you pull the the back end of the machine out, um, those those final two ranks, at least on the Tiger Mate, are the critical pieces to feeding the Harrow. And if they're not engaging the solo as much as the front ones, you're A, not able to create that transition from the rear of the machine, uh, those last two ranks of sweeps into the Harrow. Uh, the and then that can create some issues, and, and you won't feel that until the planter comes along. So, uh, yeah, not only from, from that standpoint, but the flow that you mentioned, uh, it, it's it's going to gouge, and y- your, your result will be a field that has a bit of a rumble strip underneath the ground that you won't be able to feel until you hit it with the planter.
0: No, and, and we see those things showing up all through the season. I, I end up getting called out to fields a lot of times after the corn or, or whatever crop is up, and it's, hey, try and diagnose what went wrong here, and when it goes back to a tillage problem... I can tell you, uh, probably 99% of guys that I talked to are not really happy about that. It's like, what? I can't fix this. It's something I just yeah. got to live with now all year. And you know what? It's probably not just that field either. They probably ran the same tool set the same way in another field. Uh, how about vertical tillage? What, what do you see, uh, going wrong with that? Or what do you see that guys could do to make it work even better?
4: Well, I, I think a lot of times it's the settings of the tools that, that I see, um, just you, know, you look at like the the 330 turbo or the 335 vt they've been extremely popular tools many are looking at those tools well if i if i nose the tool down it'll engage the ground a little bit more you know and, and really penetrate um and really with any tool it has an angle to the gang you know when you do that you, you create this this penetration in the front but the back again can't level it's much like my tiger made example that i just gave you know i see a lot of that where if I just engage it in the ground a little bit harder in the front, a little bit more steep in the front, it'll, it'll, it'll penetrate, but my rear comes out of the ground just a little bit and it creates that unevenness. Uh, you can't see it maybe from the surface because you know, you're, you, you're adjusting things around to make sure that you get that, but the subsurface, again, isn't even and level, and um, you're going to create some issues there with the planter. And that's where you know systems like our, our new soil command system can come into play to help create a, a levelness. Uh, out of that tool uh, that once it's been calibrated you know we have the ability now to bring the, the controls of that machine into the cab and and you know those things like that a technology that, that we're starting to see in the industry and, and soil management really can help us there.
0: I, I agree I, I love where we're heading with technology now I don't think it's ever going to replace somebody out there digging in the dirt a little bit just to make sure and to ground truth it all but I, I don't know. We've got to use all these tools. And I think the other thing too, like for, uh, I get so many questions about what happens when you have the autonomous tractors and, and that's a reality. I think that just means, Hey, we're going to be, instead of sitting in the cab, we're going to be out there in the field, doing some digging and, and checking to make sure it all works. Is that how you envision it going to?
4: Yeah, I think that's a great example. Cause right now, most of us, you know, I'm not going to pointy fingers, but you know, Family members, they like to stick their butt in the seat and and, and hang out there. <laughs> yeah, well, we're trying and, to get stuff uh, done. It's, it's comfy in there, right? Yeah, I know, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it, it may actually benefit us more being able to to, to get out and dig. I, I love doing that; it's really enjoyable. Problem is, I'm, I'm always being pushed to be able to get something done, like you mentioned, and I, I do I do believe that's going to help us with with managing and watching what's happening in the field, and and I think technology is going to evolve where. It, we can be smarter. We're going to be smarter about what we do in our fields, especially when it comes to soil management. We're we're just starting to get into this.
0: Yeah, I agree. And probably the number one question I'm expecting to have over the next few weeks here is, "Hey, is it too wet?" to... And whenever someone asks me that question, my answer is yes. I just cut them off right there. I'm like, yeah. "Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is too yeah. wet." Yeah. Because yeah. that's going to be asking tough.
4: The question that most certainly is. Yeah, it, it will be. It'd be tough to answer that question, and, and you know, I, I think there's a lot of cases where we asked ourselves that question last fall. Is it too wet to go combine? And the answer was probably yes, and you just ignored it and went and did it. I, I know that I did.
0: Yeah, I saw some pictures on social media. There was corn coming out yesterday in the Midwest oh. uh, that was still out <laughs> there that, uh, it, I don't know, maybe it was rising rivers that caused guys to say, wow, I gotta go grab it now or I won't have a shot, because yeah. Who knows what's going to happen here in a little bit, especially as we warm up. Been talking with Chris Lurson with KSIH. Chris, good luck on your farm, and uh, thanks for being on the show today. Really appreciate it.
4: Yeah, I appreciate you, Darren, and good luck to everybody this spring. Please be safe. We're
0: talking about building organic matter in your soil, and we'll get right back to that discussion after this.
2: No secrets here, we all know, regardless of the markets balanced crop nutrition pays. AgroLiquid fertilizers have the research, technology, and products you need to grow a great crop. We also have an outstanding team of field agronomists ready to help you determine the best use of your fertilizer dollar. AgroLiquid can help you maximize your yield potential effectively and economically. Visit agroliquid.com to find a dealer near you.
3: Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go
2: up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com one year it could be moisture stress, another pythium or nematodes. So you need your soybeans to rise ready for whatever the season holds. Now one simple decision provides coverage on four fronts. The Acceleron portfolio, fungicides, insecticides, bio-enhancers, and an industry-leading nematicide that strikes where nematodes attack. This season, rise stronger with Acceleron seed treatment products. Learn more at acceleronsas.com slash ready. Performance may vary. It's important to use proper PPE when handling treated seed. A pasture should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads, lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control. Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more
0: about Chaparral. You're listening to AgBHD radio broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Really excited as it's starting to warm back up and we're starting to think about those uh, spring thoughts and putting winter a little bit behind us. We're talking about increasing organic matter in soils. It's something that doesn't necessarily happen overnight, but wow, we've really been excited about what's happened uh, over well, our generation of farming. Uh, On our farm, we've seen our soil organic matter levels going up and productivity going up and a lot of good qualities there. But curious to hear what's happening on your farm and what you're shooting for. Our phone lines, again, are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Dave on with us right now over in Minnesota. Dave, how are you doing today?
3: Doing well, thanks. And you?
0: Doing, doing quite well. Thanks for joining us. I uh, want to talk a little about organic matter. What are you seeing for organic matter levels on your farm? what What's happened over the time you've been farming the ground?
3: Well, I've kind of a poster child case where I took over the farmland of St. Olaf College here in Northfield. It had had uh, 30 years of continuous corn with moldboard plowing and significant erosion and depletion of organic matter. So, Student researchers found organic matters in that 1 to 1.7% when uh, when I took over. So uh, it was my mission to build organic matter through no-till and strip-till. And so far, we're having pretty good results, um, not just uh, guessing at the results, but Students are out there doing research projects as a part of their senior capstone work, and a lot of it has to do with organic matter in the soil. So they're verifying that we are definitely on the upward slope.
0: That is really cool. Now, I, I know for our farm, we talk about the water holding capacity where we're at in a drier part of the country. You're a little ways further east. You get a little bit more moisture than we do, and um, in a lot of cases, people think, oh, man, Minnesota, heavy black soils. What are the soils like in your area, and why is this organic matter such a, a big goal for you?
3: Well, it is a, um, uh, a fact that we have the heavier soils, uh, uh, forest soils and some prairie soils. And um, um, there is a, a, a good uh, strata of uh, nice, productive soil that we have. Um, uh, loamy, uh, loamy black soils. However, the ability to hold water uh, is significantly degraded when the organic matter is down there through um, uh, degraded from heavy tillage and so on. So it's my thought that uh, here in Minnesota we have plentiful rainfall at times and then once in a while we run into a flash drought uh, in that August and September time when yes. the crops are finishing. And uh, without the water holding capacity, uh, that can be a very stressful time for crop.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. We talk a lot about uh, how important August rains are in this part of the country for achieving soybean yields, or, or basically that last uh, month, month and a half of soybean growth. We, we yeah. need moisture. And you're right, if we can hold it in the soil, we aren't so beholden to catching rain at just the right time.
3: Yeah. In addition, uh, we have a great deal of drainage tile that has gone in and is continuing to go in. And uh, when people uh, ask me while I'm out presenting about uh, farming, uh, well, what about tile drainage? Um, and I think if we can state that we're Building organic matter, which is a great vehicle to hold nutrient and water in the soil instead of sloughing it out through the tile lines, that's a real plus in the images uh, that people have about farming.
0: You know, that's one thing that's interesting. Brian talks about this a lot, too, when when he gets questioned about drain tile. His first go-to is, well, if I can – I'm only putting tile in if I can get more yield. And if I get more yield, how much more water am I going to use? You know, I'm going to use more of that water. I'm going to hold more of that water because now I've got my root system going deeper and I can build organic matter in my soil. And you're right. It's it's uh, not just, well, here's one piece and it operates independently of everything else. It just manages water. It really does allow our plants a better chance to grow. It allows our soils a better chance to hold uh, maximum capacity of water and so forth in there too. So yeah, I like that approach. That's that's really good, and it's kind of neat too, Dave, that you got a college right there, and they're out digging around and checking your work. So, do you feel uh, under a little bit of pressure out there, or are you just pretty proud because you know you're making the right choices?
3: Uh no, I've uh, I'm I'm a, a retired educator, so I've never felt that uh, students digging around in my ground is anything. Uh, less than a, a really great learning experience for them as well as for me. So I welcome people to come out and take a look at what I'm doing and ask questions. Uh, it's a, a great vehicle for me to make better decisions based on their uh, research. And sometimes, uh, uh, well, for example, we tiled a field, a uh, 20-acre field, and uh the St. Olaf students had done organic matter research for four years before that. And with one significant tillage events to uh, level out the tile lines, we lost a half a percent of organic matter in one, one spring time of aggressive tillage to wow. uh, straighten out the field. And, uh, that was, that was surprising and, uh, kind of disheartening for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Well, and, and we hear about that. Uh, I, you're not the first person that's told me that, that we can make one big, bad choice or, which doesn't necessarily seem to be bad, but the way the weather plays out and everything else, it, it could turn bad. And, Uh, And it can really set you back for a long time. And I think about where you're at and, and where you're talking about farming. There's so many farmers that I talk to that say, well, hey, the moldboard plow is just what you have to do in our soils. We've got heavy soils. You have to do that to farm. You've got to blacken things up. But then I see what you're doing and how it's going completely against the grain and which really draws me to it that okay when you got the guts to try something different based on principles that are sound uh you can make a difference are you seeing other farmers in your area that are converting and and trying to do more the way you are
3: oh it's a it's a, it's kind of a slow process um
0: so right farmers don't like pr- to change where you're at, <laughs> just like here. We we don't like to. I know Brian and me. Uh, we're we're probably the guys that change more than anybody else, but it's still hard every yeah. time we have to change.
3: Yeah, well, I've been no telling for uh, about twenty-three years, and uh, I'm beginning to see more and more of my farmer colleagues who are. Looking at what I'm doing, I have uh, I've mentored probably a dozen people through the process of moving to strip-till, um, most of them from states other than Minnesota. But uh, there are a few who take a look at uh, the no-till soybeans that I plant, and they think cheapers. If I can get by without doing all that fall tillage, I'm going to do it and save money in the process. Uh, I just... Worked with a neighbor of mine who went out and bought um, a nice no-till drill, and this fall was the first fall that he did not rip his corn ground, and he said, it just feels weird not to be out dragging the ripper around.
0: Yeah, I... I see that even on our own farm, when Brandon and I started doing a lot less tillage, my dad was from an area where heavy tillage and black soils were exactly what you had to do. And when he would see the corn stalk sticking up in next year's soybean crop, he he's just like, "Oh, I know you guys, I know you guys are probably on the right track here, but it's still hard for me to look at."
3: Yeah, well, something that the St. Olaf students have found is uh, that with tillage comes the need to do more tillage in some of the heavier soils, and even in some of the lighter soils that I farm. Um, it, uh, it becomes apparent that if you're working that ground hard, uh, it's going to show signs of needing more tillage. And what, what they explore is uh, something called aggregate uh, qualities of the soil, aggregate stability. And what that does is to allow um, planters and various other tools to put the seed in the ground much easier than if it has been worked and worked and the soil is compacted.
0: I agree with you, Dave. And uh, I I like a lot of things about what you said. We're going to have to explore that in another conversation. I've been talking to Dave over in Minnesota about uh, reducing tillage and increasing organic matter. Thanks a lot, Dave. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
2: If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grazon Next herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Grazon Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit leavetheweedstous.com to learn more about Grazon Next. Always read and follow label directions. In farming, there's a lot of variables out of our control. Don't let fertility be one of them. Let the experts at AgroLiquid move you closer to your bullseye. It's true, AgroLiquid fertilizers are formulated to keep nutrients available to your crop, and they have unmatched compatibility with other nutrients and crop protection products, which makes application more efficient than ever. But we also have the best people in the field ready to talk about your operation, your goals. Go to agroliquid.com to move you closer closer to your target.
6: Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more.
2: In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success. Like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end-of-season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted-use pesticide. High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the High Yield Grower Toolbox.
0: Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. To start off the show, we were talking about increasing organic matter, and Brian talked about, hey, reducing tillage is important, planting crops with many roots, uh, things like corn and wheat, that's important, manure and compost are good sources of of helping along the line building organic matter, cover crops. That's all nice. But one other thing that you can do is you can introduce some biological species right into that root zone with different seed treatment options that we've got. Uh, i got Jennifer Riggs with us with BASF right now. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today.
7: Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate the time.
0: You know, you've got some new tools now at BASF, and uh, all this in this era of mergers and acquisitions, BASF has been the big winner, as far as I can tell. Especially when you look at some of the things on the seed treatment side, what what exciting things uh, do you want to talk to us about?
7: Yeah, so I think I really, you know, I think about when we think about organic matter, and I, I listen to your um, guests right before me, and it's it's obvious that over the last few years maybe the last 50 to 100 years, we, as we started uh, putting farmland out where native pastures were, we have really have affected the levels of organic matter out there, right? We've, we've done things that certainly aren't what we call natural any longer. And so organic matter levels have been reduced by 40 to 60%, depending on where it was when Lewis and Clark came through, Um uh, out there in the cornfields and soybean fields of central and northern uh, U.S. today, and so I think at BSF we've looked at how can we deliver uh, on the seed treatment something that would help enhance uh, be able to utilize the organic matter that's there today, and help make the organic matter that uh, growers need to maintain work more efficiently for them. So. At BSF, we have some seed treatments that are certainly biological in nature, one of those being Poncho Vertivo 2.0, where we've combined um, two biological products with the insecticide Poncho to help uh, growers um, bring a healthier plant early in the season from uh, utilizing organic matter just a little bit more efficiently. So the last component we added to Poncho uh, We added a new bacteria that actually delivers um, the ability of the uh, plant debris in the soil to become more efficient food for the native microbes there. And as I think all your speakers have probably said before me, is that the more live, the more native microbes you have, the better your organic matter, the better nutrient cycling it is for those young germinating plants and so that's what 2.0 really does it helps feed the, the native microbes we call it the personal trainer it allow it keeps telling it we're bringing you more food so you need to be more active and with that activity brings better nutrient cycling uh, okay plant. I like th- and all this
0: I like the personal trainer reference, Jennifer, because I was thinking it's a personal chef because you got a food source right there available. And not just with Poncho Votivo 2.0 and the yield trials that I've been looking at, uh, have we seen more yield, but other products added in with it too have benefited. So there's definitely something there with the additional bacteria that you've added in. That's, that's pretty exciting. That's catching a lot of attention in the industry.
7: Yeah, I think what we're seeing is that, you know, the more we can put around that root that's growing that can influence the native microbes that are there, the better off that plant's going to be, because it's like mimicking native environments. And so what we're able to do is really impact around that root, not, not outside that root zone, but around that root zone to where we're having an immediate impact in that early season growth of that plant. And with that when you have an impact on that root, you're getting healthier roots. So all the other products are also being uptake is better, better nutrient utilization, but also more water, more efficient water uh, utilization as well. And so overall, all the products seem to be working better because of that impact on just that healthier, younger uh, root and seedling.
0: All right. I'm going to have to keep that in mind. The personal trainer, when I get asked about Poncho Votivo 2.0, I'm going to use that. I, I like it, Jennifer. have been talking with Jennifer Riggs with BASF with a lot of different things and new things coming in terms of seed solutions. Really appreciate having you on today, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Talking about building organic matter. and I. I like that, that, you know what, hey, organic matter improvements in soil can be utilized for so many things. And we talk a lot about holding a little bit more moisture, giving us a, a little more tilth out there, a little, as Brian described it, uh, uh, just just a little more uh, spongy feel to that soil. And I, I know when we come to the Ag PhD Field Day, you're going to feel that. Even uh, around a lot of our plots where we'll have – Literally 10,000 people trampling on the ground. One of my big concerns when we first started doing it was, uh, that ground's going to get hard. But really the comment that I've gotten over and over from from farmers who have been on our farm have said, wow, I really like what you're doing here. Something's different. I can feel it in the soil. And it, it is one of the big things that we're trying to do is build organic matter levels up. So uh, you know, just to to talk about this a little bit more, there's five key points that we talk about quite often on AG PhD about things that that we're doing and seeing other farmers doing to try to build those organic matter levels in soil. Reducing tillage is number one. And you heard uh, well, today, Dave was on from Minnesota talking about reducing tillage versus a system that had been heavy, heavy tillage. Uh, for 30 years. As we reduce that tillage, one of the benefits that we see is increasing organic matter levels a little more quickly. Uh, Raising crops with a large root system, Brian talked about corn having five times the root mass of soybeans, just getting more roots out there and then leaving those roots undisturbed. So even where we're doing tillage, like strip till, if we can leave that root mass intact, those roots can break down naturally and they leave uh, little air pockets that that uh, we can send earthworms down and air down, and microbes can colonize around that, and we can build organic matter levels deep in the soil. Because we're not just talking about organic material on top of the ground. And maybe, Brian, maybe you want to talk about that just a minute. It's not organic material on top of the ground, it's organic matter, which is decayed or decaying plant and animal residue below ground.
1: Yeah, I mean, that pretty well sums it up. What you're going to see. That's organic material. What you don't see is organic matter, and it you've got to get that full breakdown. That's the whole thing. So anyway, I, I guess I'm I'm I, I'm always excited to keep working in that organic matter because what I tell people is I don't care what you use for a herbicide program, or fungicide, or insecticide. What seed variety you pick, what your tillage system is necessarily, you know, all those things. Sure, they're important, but when you get good organic matter levels in your soil just like when you get a good overall soil fertility you are going to find that you're going to get higher yields with everything you're going to have fewer problems so it's a good thing overall in the short term and especially in the
0: long term. Well, it's one of those things we had Chris Lurson on with ksah 2 too, and I probably should have brought that up to him as well. It, the soil is just more forgiving when you've got more organic matter in the soil. And if you're out there like uh, David talked about, some of that soil that had just been pounded for 30 years with over tillage uh, in, in the ground that he was working once you once you get in that situation, you need more tillage to try to fix some of the problems that you had. And, and uh, if you can just avoid that in the start, that's a good thing. Uh, manure and compost, that's one we didn't spend much time on today, but when it comes to fertility sources that we're using, certainly there's potential negatives, especially with manure, with salt loads and those kinds of things, you can definitely overdo it. Uh, but when you put uh, the right amount of manure or compost out in the soil, that's a lot of fertility that's ready to go or Uh, And some that's, that's going to be ready to go down the road that your soil microbes can get to work on. So it seems to be a pretty friendly source of fertility that you can add as well yep I agree and then uh, mentioned biological products and we just had Jennifer Riggs on with BASF talking about seed treatments and and what's happening there we're seeing a lot more beneficial microbes being put on the seed or in the furrow and we're influencing what's happening in that zone right around the root system and that seems to be a big thing not only for raising higher yields now but also for building a healthier soil environment and building organic matter or levels just a little bit faster and then finally the last thing we mentioned was cover crops and certainly if we can keep growing crops out in fields longer that's awesome for so many things including all the soil microbes out there and protecting the soil from erosion when you think about the top inch of soil that's where so many of our nutrients are and and so much of our organic matter in our soil is right up towards the surface it's some of our best stuff we don't want to lose that as well all right, we're going to get into some of the Ag PhD mailbag questions coming up right after this. Stay tuned.
1: Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an Agri Specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBird software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at
8: GrainPhD.com. Increase your productivity with Hypro's Dual React Control System. The dual nozzle body design allows you to drive at the speed you want while maintaining the rate and droplet size you need. Hypro,
2: helping you spray better. Interested in strip tillage? You should know about the Soil Warrior from ETS. With one-pass efficiency, optimized nutrient placement, and reduced production costs for higher profitability, the Soil Warrior brings the future to your farm. Visit SoilWarrior.com to learn more.
6: Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough
2: weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy2Save3 are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions.
5: Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app temperature-humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at StepsGMS.com.
6: You know what's convenient? If you're a soybean grower, what's convenient is Zidua Pro herbicide. That's because you get fast and complete burn down together with up to 2 weeks longer residual than other herbicides and three sites of action for broad spectrum weed control, plus built-in resistance management. All in one convenient jug. And that turns out to be very inconvenient for pigweed, water hemp and mares tail. Contact your local BASF rep today. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. With the success of the Case
2: IH Diger Quad Track and Magnum Road Track tractors, it's no secret why Case
8: IH is the leader of the track. So it wasn't surprising when the competition started
2: imitating us. Because Case IH offered the first five axle design to give you more power to the ground with less berming and compaction, all to help you be more productive. Still, we're flattered. In fact, if we weren't already red, we'd be blushing. To learn more, visit caseih.com tracks.
0: Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio Broadcasting from the Morton Studio today, and we have reached the Ag PhD Mailbag time, where we're taking your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Uh, got a question here, Brian, that came in. Uh, you said, I just wanted to say thanks for the Neil Kinsey program that I attended uh, here a week or so ago. Wondering uh, if a person shouldn't be soil testing in June because of how Neil had said phosphorus and other levels would come up in the spring. I was also wondering what you thought about the spring testing Uh, and also soil testing the soybeans in June for what you're going to fertilize on corn the following year, if that would be accurate. And then finally, just wondering if you agree with Neil on everything or if there's anything that you don't agree with.
1: Okay, well we could spend the next 10 minutes talking about all the stuff that you just said, but the first, yep, the first thing I want to say is you got to keep in mind when Neil or anybody says levels will come up in the spring, They're talking about areas that have an actual spring. We don't. So when we're in the upper Midwest, we have winter and we have summer, and that's it. So if you're going to test in October versus uh, early April, there's no difference really in terms of soil tests, and you can look at a lot of other research that's been done on that. It's not really going to change because the soil has been frozen that entire time. So sure, if we're in Missouri or Arkansas or Georgia or somewhere, where they have spring, summer, winter, and fall, then it's whole different. And, yes, it's very possible that if you're going to go out and test in October, well, you've got two more months of, you know, non-freeze-up, and then you get to spring, and, boy, it's been warm since February. Well, yeah, I I agree. So,
0: anyway,
1: there are a lot there. Yeah, there, there are... I, I don't know. Don't, don't get too worried about
0: that. Yeah, and there's so many fertility things. Uh, you know, for the most part, we really like what Neil's doing, and that's absolutely why we were, we're working with him. You know, the, the one thing I think Brian would probably disagree on is the potash, just because we've actually been able to build potash levels on our farm, even when our pH is high. But uh, it's not cheap or easy to do, and I think that's what Neil's getting at, too. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, get James on with us right now down in South Georgia. James, uh, you got corn that's that's up or are you just getting it in the ground? Oh, let's try that one more time. Are you there, James? Yes. There we go. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. you planting okay. some corn or you already got some that's even up?
8: No, I don't have any up. I think West Georgia's got some sweet corn that's up, but field corn. We just started planting today. One of my neighbors had planted a little bit last week.
0: Outstanding. But the
8: weather is good and we're having all this week is supposed to be rain free and everything's working good.
0: Yeah, so field conditions are all in good shape and it's it's ideal.
8: Yes, in our area it is. It's, uh, in fact, we'll probably have to run the pivot around once we get the field planted. Sure. have hired it and got it dried out. And now we'll plant it and try to water it to get it up.
0: Okay, so James, are you on the same rotation as normal, or are you changing some things up this year?
8: No, we stay pretty much the same. We plant peanuts, cotton, and corn, and usually don't vary the acres very much.
0: Yeah, I I know. It's tough once you get out of that system and get into kind of monocropping. If you go all corn or something, it sure changes things for next year. So I can see where that would be be a good situation. So is this a normal plant date for you for corn? Are you early? Are you late or right on time?
8: We're about a week early. Okay. Last year we started the 23rd of March, and we're a little bit early this year.
0: All right, so how soon... How soon will you start peanuts and cotton then? Do you always put the corn in first?
8: Yes, corn and, corn goes in first. We like to start it the last two weeks in March, and then we won't start with the peanuts and cotton. They'll all be planted in May. We'll okay. start usually the 1st of May and try to get through by June
3: the 1st.
0: Yeah, we're not exactly an ideal peanut or cotton country here in South Dakota. We, we did have both on our farm last year just for some little show plots, and I, I've learned this by experience that it needs to be warm when you put those crops in the ground.
8: Yes, especially peanuts and and cotton. You, you don't want to plant it when it's cold weather or whenever you don't have enough moisture.
0: Yeah, it's been fun talking to guys in the south. The uh, the corn has been much more forgiving. Even the soybeans have been much more forgiving than what peanuts and cotton have. So it's it's kinda neat when you get to try out some of those different crops.
8: Yeah, well, we're used to these three crops and we've done it all our life and we don't we don't seem to change
0: much. <laughs> well, I just keep raising more and more yield, and that's fine because I I like eating peanuts and and peanut butter, and uh, certainly a big proponent of corn. And I wear a lot of cotton clothing, so you just keep it up, James. That's a that's a good deal.
8: All right, good talking.
0: All right, Yvette, thanks for calling. Really appreciate that. Uh, Brent had a, another question come in. This one is from Ryan in Wisconsin. He said, I've got fairly heavy soils. They're clay soils, 20 to 25 CEC is kind of average. Uh, He said, I want to save a pass in the spring. Thinking about setting up a piece of tillage equipment with the spray nozzles right on it so I can put my pre-emerge on at the same time I'm doing my tillage. Which tillage tool would be ideal for this? Can I do it with vertical tillage or do I need to do something else?
1: Well, the vertical tillage thing might be okay. You might end up with some Streaks, that's what I get concerned about. So we do that uh, in front, and we have done that for years in front of a field cultivator. Works great. Absolutely can do that. Now the other thing you could do, what what we used to tell guys to do that want to have uh, one of the, like a field finisher, for example, and they want to have discs going deep, and they want to have some shanks, and they want to have a hair on the end. I, I mean, you don't have to put your nozzles way in front. If you wanted to, you could put them part way back. Most uh, I mean, it just depends on how far down into the ground you want to get this stuff. But absolutely, you can put it all on in one pass. We used to do an awful lot of that. Okay. more we don't do that because we've got a great big sprayer and we can...
0: Yeah, we're set, we we're set up different. Really we're set up different, different and we got yeah. two different people. One, one running the planter and one running the the sprayers so we can get both jobs done at the same time. And, you and
1: know, one running the, the yeah, the uh, the uh tillage. So yeah, when you have three people, it's whole different than if you have one or two.
0: Okay. So Ryan, that leads right into Ryan's other two things. He said, okay, I'm using authority MTZ in soybeans and triple flex in corn. Now, both of those, Ryan, could be laid on the soil surface. They don't have to be worked in. And Ryan's other question he had was, all right, how about on my soybeans, Could I do my pre-emerge right with the planter? Uh, Would you put it in front of the planter or behind? I like throwing it right on behind the planter, Ryan. That way uh, you've already moved soil and now it's back and and you've laid that layer of protection everywhere, including right over where the seed is.
1: Right. Yep, you'd have to. Just make sure you've got that seed furrow closed good. Great. Yeah. Normal conditions, no problem, but you know, if you start mudding anything in, all of a sudden you might have an open seed trench and now you're going to kill some seeds. So just make sure that you're covering that that seed furrow really well.
0: All right, Tim sent a question. How much does the Ag PhD Field Guide app cost? It's free, Tim. Uh, you can, can download and use it for free. All the information is there, including... A lot of weeds and insects where Brian and I have gone through with each different crop here's what we would use here's how we would try and control those uh, and I think it's pretty handy and a lot of times when people call in with a weed question we'll say hey have you checked out our, our field guide app so you've got a lot of that information right there so it's right at, right in your hands when you're out in the field uh, Stephen down in Louisiana sent a question in I heard heard you talking about pastures and you mentioned a trick to make summer grasses grow in the spring and fall when there are cooler temperatures. You said it was some kind of acid. What is it, and where can I get it? Uh, Stephen, we were talking about gibberellic acid, and uh, one product that I know is available really around the country uh, is a product made by Valent called Rise Up Smart Grass. So, most Ag Chem retailers would have access to that. So, you could get some Rise Up Smart Grass and use that either in the spring or in the fall to really extend your grazing window. And it's something we've used on our farm, and it's it definitely works. There's no question about it. As plants are growing in those cool conditions, they're not really moving um, the gibberellic acid that they naturally produce. They're not really moving it up and getting the stem elongation. And by applying gibberellic acid, that's that's a way you can jumpstart that process and get more early growth or growth later into the season. Hey, thanks for the question, Stephen. We really appreciate that, and good luck with your pastures this spring. Well, thanks to listen. Thanks for listening to our show today. Really appreciate all the calls and questions. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.